welcome to the 432nd episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my friend and co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and this is the 10th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And our honored guest tonight is travel author Julie Valerie. Welcome, Julie, to Travel Itch Radio. Dan and Mary Ellen, thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for speaking with me this evening. Oh, we're so happy to hear from you. Please tell our audience about your books. Sure. Secrets, Mysteries, and the Pursuit of Perfection. Welcome Mm. to The Village of Prim, a new series based on the fictional Village of Prim featuring main character Holly Banks, a young mom on a desperate mission to have it all. But, of course, nothing in life goes according to plan. The first novel in this collection of standalone novels is titled Holly Banks Full of Angst and has been described as a laugh-out-loud debut novel for anyone who's tried to live the perfect life and learn the hard way. There's no such thing. The second novel, The Peculiar Fate of Holly Banks, takes a closer look at Holly as a wife, mother, and aspiring filmmaker who is quickly learning the role that fate plays with every plan she's made. Both novels can be found wherever books are sold in English language countries. They're available in paperback, ebook, and audio, and both were recently released by Lake Union Publishing. You can learn all about the books and my writing at julievalerie.com. Oh, that's great. We're going to look up that. Um, but tell us, what are some of your regular travel writing outlets? Well, much of my recent travel conversations are shared on the Bookish Road Trip community, which is a community that I helped to create with six other authors. We consider ourselves travelers and book lovers in pursuit of our next destination and our next great read. Oh, so how did you become a writer in general and specifically a travel journalist? Oh, well, thank you. So I've always wanted to become a novelist. I remember growing up and filling spiral notebooks with stories as a young girl sitting in class. But, Mm -hmm. of course, as I got older and approached college, I got more serious about learning the craft. Eventually that led to my signing with my literary agent, Joelle Del Borgo, and then eventually with my publisher, Lake Union Publishing. Where did you live and why did you decide to take a solo road trip? I'm really intrigued by this, Julie. Oh, well, thank you. So I live in Wright from Virginia, but I decided to take a solo road trip so that I could drive through the outline of my next novel. I developed the story first, and then I plotted it against the 2022 Rand McNally Road Atlas, placing Mm -hmm. little post-it notes next to the waypoints along the map. My journey began with a flight from Virginia, where I live. I flew into Denver, and then I rented a hybrid vehicle, and I drove north out of Colorado through Wyoming, west through Montana, where I turned around uh, once I reached Flathead Lake, Montana, near the border with Canada. And that's when I officially started the solo road trip that was part of the novel. Um, I traveled southbound from Montana into Idaho, Nevada, and Arizona, and then I turned around and headed northbound through Utah, then eastbound through the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, where I met with my family for our annual summer vacation in Breckenridge. 
And how did you choose to drive US 93 specifically? Well, I love maps. Uh, so US Route 93 was familiar to me long before I traveled it because I I like to sit in an armchair in my family room and <laughs> kind of travel along maps. I'm a little bit of a map geek. Um, so I was especially looking at maps and kind of shopping different routes during the lockdown of 2020 when the concepts behind the novel were really starting to take place. I originally ma- uh, imagined that my characters would travel from the East Coast to the West Coast, but the more I was researching potential routes, U.S. Route 93 kept jumping out at me as the road I most wanted my characters to travel due to the plot considerations and the events that happened in the story. I also knew that I wanted a border-to-border route, and U.S. Route 93 stretches actually from Jasper in Alberta, Canada, past Banff National Park, which is a site of my honeymoon years ago when I married my mm-hmm. college sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and then it goes through British Columbia and then into Montana, where you can drive almost a straight line southbound through the United States from Montana through Idaho, Nevada, and Arizona. It actually ends just north of Mexico in a town called Wickenburg in Arizona. Parts of um, U.S. Route 93 follows the Continental Divide, and other parts intersect with historic routes such as the Lewis and Clark Trail, the Pony Express, and the Lincoln Highway. So it's so many opportunities for story along that one route. Wow. We are talking with travel author and travel writer, Julie Valerie. Mary Ellen? Julie, you must have had some memorable adventures. Is it true you came eye-to-eye with a 2,000-pound buffalo? (laughs) I did. I came eye-to-eye with a 2,000-pound buffalo. It happened at the National Bison Range in Montana, which was established in 1908 to protect the American bison from extinction. And I was driving along a gravel path in this 18,000-acre preserve when an enormous buffalo approached my vehicle with its big black beady eyes staring right at me through my driver's side window. He stayed there for quite some time, eventually circled my vehicle, and then went about his way. And I, I really felt like I connected with the animal, although my heart was pounding the entire time. I'll bet. Oh, my goodness. And wildfires, historic scorching heat, managing fuel consumption on a rural drive. What kind of advanced planning did you have to do to determine your route? The road trip you took was, in your words, a study in contrast. Why? Well, so for one, there was a historic heat wave in British Columbia with temperatures reaching 121 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a new national record high for Canada. Before I started my trip, there had already been at least 230 deaths um, had occurred in the days leading up to my travels. I was definitely concerned about wildfires. Um, I was concerned that I would get all the way across the United States only to find that I couldn't access a portion of my trip because of surrounding fires. Mm-hmm. Luckily, that didn't impact the trip, uh, but I was also very concerned about running out of gas while driving, especially through the Nevada desert or along the loneliest road in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point about the study in contrast, to travel U.S. Route 93 north to south or southbound northbound is a study in contrast. You Up in the north, you find very lush, wet landscapes and topography and mountains, and you drive down through dry, orange deserts of Nevada. Um, You even go through the city lights of Las Vegas. So it's it's quite a stunning, very beautiful um, path that 
really gives you a wide range of things to see and experience. Oh, my goodness. It, it must have been perfect for your novels. And tell us, how does a fiction writer conduct research during a road trip? What were your methods? Do you have any tips? And in other words, in other words, how did you divide your time, writing on the road or merely taking notes? Well, so I had to take into consideration uh, the possibility that I would be losing Wi-Fi or cell phone, cell phone service oh. during the different places that I would be traveling. Some of the Portions of the route were very rural. Some of them were through mountain ranges, um, deserts, and so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. So I brought with me plenty of um, analog tools and printed maps, but I also used technology. So my tip, my tips would be um, definitely rely on voice recording. I was spending a lot of time alone in the car, so I would just use the voice recorder on my iPhone and record thoughts as I traveled. As I was traveling, I was trying to describe what I was seeing with as many adjectives and language-rich words that I could as I was experiencing it. I'd often pull over and just sit beside the road, beside my vehicle, and just be with the landscape for a while to get a sense of it. I knew it would be a while before I got back to my writing studio at home and that I'd actually be working with the words inside of the novel. So I wanted to be as present as possible while I was conducting the travel. I would say a GoPro is a really great tool that you can put maybe on the dashboard if you're wanting to collect some data about the drive. I made a lot of stops. I made a lot of changes to the plot. Uh, there was a lot of surprises, things that I had planned and uh, for the characters and for the storyline, things that I had planned when I was in my family room looking at a printed map that completely changed once I was in my vehicle, like my characters would be, experiencing the world and the landscape as I was. Um, mm -hmm. I will definitely say that outline and research as much as you can before the trip. Um, that is extremely helpful because you don't want to. You want to be as prepared as possible, but know that things are going to reveal themselves to you during the trip. I had no idea the role of glacier cherries to the area of Montana that I was driving through, and I had the great joy of stopping by many glacier cherry roadside stands, and that's what I snacked on the most, a little bag of delicious cherries right next to me on the drive. Little mm. details like that and people that you would meet are things you can never fully plan for when you are in your family room across the country in Virginia. But mm -hmm. I would say more than anything, travel with printed maps. That's advice whether you're a novelist traveling on a solo road trip researching your next novel, or if you are just with your family out on a, on a family vacation. Printed maps are the most valuable tool um, for any traveler. Of course, the phone that we're holding in our hand is wonderful, but in about 24 hours, that battery is going to die, and you're going to want to rely on those printed maps. Mm. Okay, a couple of quick questions for you, Julie. Number one, how do you know that Buffalo weighed 2,000 pounds? Did you have a scale? <laughs> <laughs> he told me his mind, when I was looking at him eye to eye in his mind, he said, I weigh 2,000 pounds. <laughs> okay. okay. Not the really. Other question is, what happened when you were filming that mountain range? We hear you were standing in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, that was one of the more frightening moments, only because I am petrified of snakes, 
And I had pulled over to film footage of a mountain range because I noticed that the that the geology of the mountain range changed so significantly in one little section of the mountain. And as I was videotaping that and describing it and collecting my thoughts, I heard a sound off to my right, and I glanced mm. down <laughs> and realized that there was a rattlesnake not too far from me that had been completely caught by surprise when I pulled my car over and popped out all of a sudden without warning to videotape a mountain. So I quickly scrambled and got back into the car as fast as I could. So you did fine with a 2,000-pound buffalo, but a two-pound snake scared you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and I think it had to do with I was in my vehicle for the bison and I was outside of my vehicle for the snake. So maybe there's maybe there's a connection there. Safety within the vehicle. Uh, makes sense. We're talking with travel author and writer Julie Valerie. Julie, you traveled what's been described as the loneliest road in America. What was that like? Oh, it was one of the highlights of my trip, and The Loneliest Road in America actually got its name back in July of 1986 when Life magazine described Nevada's Highway 50 from Baker to Dayton as the loneliest road in America, recommending that drivers have survival skills to get across it, even suggesting that the route could play with your mind mentally. So I was very prepared with a full tank of gas and the right mindset as I head out across the loneliest road. It roughly parallels the Pony Express Trail. It has a very old petroglyph site. There's old ghost towns. There's old cemeteries. I found it to be absolutely thrilling. Most of the experience is a very long road, and as far as the eye can see, it's just you and this open road and very few other vehicles. It was beautiful. The landscaping was stunning. Like I said, absolutely thrilling. One of the highlights of my entire trip. Oh, and you also drove the extraterrestrial highway near Area 51, which is somewhere I want to go. Did you see any aliens? <laughs> uh, you know, I, that was the part I think my family and my children were hoping for the most. I, I'm sorry to report I did not see any aliens. I was not abducted. Yeah. I'm sure had I seen any aliens or if I had been abducted, I would have a much better story to tell. But alas, that did not happen. I did meet some very interesting people and just had a really great time with it. It's a, it's a very fun highway. If you're in that part of the country, I recommend um, that you definitely check out the extraterrestrial highway. But it is correct. You won't be able to get very close to Area 51. Mm. And, Julie, returning to your family, you traveled through Monarch Pass, one of Colorado's most dangerous roads. I've driven from Vail to Aspen, so I think I have a pretty good idea. The scenery was better than the safety, right? And what can you tell us about that experience? I would say it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, mm. it, was, it was raining. It was towards the end of my road trip. It was the final day. I was exhausted. I had been on the road for seven to ten days. I was heading back to meet up with my family in Breckenridge. Um, so low visibility, rain, it just one of those mountain passes where there aren't guardrails. And I was traveling on the lane that did not hug the mountain, but rather mm. was on the, the edge of the cliff. And I definitely got the sense that if I had gone over, 
um, I would have got dropped qu- uh, quite a distance. It was would not have been survivable. What was strange about it is that your mind and your your vision can play tricks on you because you're aware of your peripheral vision. You're aware of this great distance straight out to my left as I was driving out the passenger side, but you're also aware of the drop down. So it was a very intense experience. When I was driving down a certain section of it, I could see that the road was going to turn to my left, and it gave the illusion that if I had kept going straight or if my brakes gave out, it could have gone straight off of the road. Well, as I'm approaching this turn, this gentle turn towards the left that seemed to disappear into nowhere, the oncoming traffic coming towards me at that moment was a truck carrying half of a, of a mobile home on its on its trailer and it came around and I almost I mean I I'm I get kind of shaken up talking about the memory as it was approaching me I thought half you know good six eight inches is in my lane and I don't have six to eight inches to the to the right of me to the off the passenger side for me to get around this this turn obviously I did but it was quite an experience mm. And I would have wondered what happened to the other half of the mobile home. Uh, <laughs> I was too afraid to look. <laughs> well, talking about accidents in that area, just about 50 years ago, on September 11th, 1971, there was a terrible bus accident carrying a high school football team along the Monarch Pass route that shook the nation but led to an interesting advancement in road safety. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this is a very tragic story that um that has a has an important ending. So a bus carrying the Gunnison High School junior varsity football team um lost its brakes while driving down Monarch Pass, killing eight football players and the coach and injuring dozens of others. And from what I understand researching this this particular accent accident it was a relatively new bus, and the bus driver couldn't have done more to help in the situation. He was doing everything he could to stop the bus, but the brakes had given out. He was standing on the brakes. He was pulling up on the steering wheel, but an accident occurred, and many lives were lost. Um, but it did lead to major improvements in bus in school bus safety standards, and it also led to the development of a school bus braking system now known as the Gunnison Package, which is now required on all Colorado school buses, and it's available on school buses nationwide. But also, this accident led in part to the construction of runaway truck ramps um, that you often see installed on mountain passes throughout the world, um, which has certainly saved countless lives since this tragic accident. Hmm. Okay. You are listening to Travel It Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Newton-Lee. We're on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, and Facebook. Check out the archive show at your convenience. And tonight we're talking with travel novelist Julie Valerie. Julie, the threat of flash floods and mudslides was an unexpected threat as you traveled. Could you tell more to our listeners? Uh, Sure. So my concern leaving Virginia and heading to the mountain states of the United States, my initial concern was the fire, the wildfires. But Mm. luckily it wasn't fire from wildfires that impacted my travel, but rather the scorched earth from previous wildfires 
playing a role in multiple dangerous mudslides that resulted from sudden record rainfall that hit the scorched earth, creating dangerous flash flood conditions, one of which completely wiped out a section of Interstate 70 in Glenwood Canyon, Colorado, during my travels back to Breckenridge to meet up with my family. In fact, I have to check my notes, but if I remember correctly, I had to travel through Monarch Pass because of the mudslides that took out a portion of Glenwood Canyon. Um, So, yes, Mother Nature is always in charge. Uh, There was another flash flood that threatened U.S. Route 93 between the extraterrestrial highway and Las Vegas. And that was a really important part in my novel. And so I almost completely missed the opportunity to research that section of the route after having traveled all the way across the country to conduct this research. But luckily, I made it safely into Las Vegas under cover of some very, very dark skies. It was Mm -hmm. almost as if Mother Nature was messing with my plot. Um, And the experience of travel, um, especially with the weather, led to many changes I'm now going to make to the story. Wow. What time of year did you go, and what other weather issues did you encounter? And I know thunderstorms can come up quickly in the Colorado Rockies. Yes, uh, so thank you. So I was traveling in the summertime. It was July to be exact, um, and there were many sudden thunderstorms that took me by surprise. The mudslides were concerned. I had to keep an eye on the wildfires and where they were, um, but there was also scorching heat. I know that Canada had been experiencing record heat, but also most of my travel during the month of July um, was along 100-degree heat. And so I was especially aware, especially when I was in Nevada, that if I ran out of gas or had car issues, I was facing a very long walk to the nearest town under scorching 100-degree afternoon sun. So there was a lot to a lot to deal with for sure. Do you plan any future driving trips off the beaten path? Well, so I don't know. Driving, yes, but I'd also like to say that I'm currently section hiking the Appalachian Trail with my best friend. Um, It's a hiking adventure we began in 2017, and we hope to finish it by 2035. As of right now, we've hiked a section in 13 of the 14 states that make up the Appalachian Trail, which stretches about 2,200 miles from Georgia to Maine. As for road trips, my husband and I are planning to convert a Sprinter van or maybe buy an Airstream base camp and set out on the road so that he can mountain bike while I write. But we still have kids at home, so that's probably a few years away. Um, But I would like to possibly hook up at some point with some Airstream convoys. I think it would be fun to travel with that community of travel enthusiasts. Okay, that leads to my next question. Do you prefer to travel alone, or would you prefer a group press trip next time? Well, they might be listening, so I'd have to say (laughs) that I love traveling (laughs) with my family, of course. Um, But, wow, was a solo road trip a thrilling adventure. And I'll definitely be doing that again very soon. We're talking with travel novelist Julie Valerie. Julie, our listeners always like to know more about our guests, so could you share where you were born, schooled, and educated, and a little bit more about how you became a writer, an author, and a videographer? Sure. Well, I would. Uh, I have to certainly describe myself as my most important role is um, I'm a mother of four. I married mm-hmm. my college sweetheart. 
Um, but in terms of my education, I've got a master's degree in education. I have a um, Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in fashion. I have a certificate in editing from the publishers of the Chicago Manual of Style. I'm pursuing credentials in wine from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I'm actually sitting for my level two exam in December, and then I'll begin studying in January for credentials as an American wine expert. Um, I, um, I'd like to focus some of my future travel writing on the wine industry in particular, but I think I want to wait to pursue that until probably spring of 2022 once I get some of these um, tests and studying under my belt. Um, I was born in Minnesota. I was schooled in Virginia. I've also lived and worked in New York City and Boston, and I've traveled extensively throughout Canada, the United States, Mexico, Europe, and Scandinavia. Um, I love my kids. I love dogs. I've got many <laughs> different interests and hobbies, but I think that's me in a nutshell. Oh, you sound like a true Renaissance woman. Is oh, there anything you. we haven't asked that you would like to ask? Um, I would like to say I'd encourage everybody to get out and enjoy the road. Um, like yeah. I said, I've traveled through Scandinavia and Europe countless times during my time as an international trend forecaster when I was living in New York City, but I've found that it's the open roads of my own country that led to some of my greatest discoveries about myself and about life. And I'd say face your fears when you travel. I wasn't afraid of traveling alone, but I did take precautions. I am afraid of snakes, but I found myself standing next to a rattlesnake the day after I stared into the soul of a massive 2,000-pound bison. So, sure, there's going to be extreme heat, tornadoes, flash floods, and wildfires, um, but you got to get out there and see the world um, and face your fears and have a wonderful time doing so. Oh, I totally agree. Now, tell, tell our Travel Itch Radio listeners again how they can learn more about your work. Sure. I think the best place to start is to go to my website at julievalerie.com. And, of course, I'd love it if you subscribe to my once-monthly newsletter. You can also find that sign-up sheet on my website at julievalerie.com. Our special guest tonight has been travel novelist Julie Valerie. Julie, we really enjoyed having you. You speak really well. And there's no trace of an accent from any of those places that you live. I, I just don't get it. I know. I hear that so often. Even as a child, I heard that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. We both really enjoyed having you. It's been my pleasure. Dan and Mary Ellen, I have thoroughly enjoyed spending this time with you this evening. Thank you so very much. Well, you're more than welcome. And with baseball season in its last week and the playoffs about to begin, why not learn about the game's history from an educational but entertaining source? My book, The New Baseball Bible, Notes, Nuggets, Lists, and Legends from a National Pastime. 480 pages for less than a saw buck. It's both a coffee table book and a bathroom book. Read it backwards and still enjoy it. That's The New Baseball Bible with Mike Trout off the disabled list but on the cover of my book. Get it tonight on Amazon.com. And, Mary Ellen, I want to congratulate you on your birthday week. I hope you had a wonderful birthday a couple of days ago. Oh, I did, and I loved getting your baseball Bible calendar for 2022. That was a great gift. Okay, more to come, but that's a surprise. 
<laughs> and that is it for this edition of Travel It Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writer, same announcers, we will talk to George Jacobs, president and CEO of Aquarium by the Sea at Pier 39 in San Francisco. Be there or be square. Now, this is Anne Schlossberg, along with my beautiful and talented co-host, the birthday girl, Mariela Nugent-Lee, <laughs> saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.